Cultivate and Keep podcast with myself, Jeremy, and Corey Haynes. Welcome, welcome. Um, I say we get right into it because this book. Yes. Wow. There's a lot to go so through. So good. We can't waste any time. Corey, um, so we're going to do a book review of The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, and Corey read this one probably six months before I did, right? I mean, and you were like pretty gun ho about it, like yeah. constantly quoting it and like kind of sharing new thoughts and ideas that you, that came from that book. And I was like, all right, I should read it. And so I read it, and I think I only picked it up four or five times. I mean, I read it pretty quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Dude, so good. I read it with, uh, I do a little kind of book club with two of my friends, Drake and Kyle. Shout out to them. Um, and this was one of the books. Uh, it's actually Kyle's recommendation. because he, he sort of got wind of him over Instagram and through his church. Uh, I think there was some sort of connection. He heard him on a podcast. But it's uh, the author is John Mark Comer. He's a really, really neat guy. Um, I, I probably should have known he has an interesting backstory about basically becoming like a wonder kid, mega church pastor, and then kind of like restarting and leaving it behind. And then, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of that is kind of, you know, busyness and chaos has informed mm-hmm. the idea for this book. And now he is the pastor of another church, I believe up in Oregon. Yeah. I Portland, say. Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Portland. Yeah. Um, and so it's yeah it's called the ruthless elimination of hurry um and i yeah i just kind of every week you know we would kind of fly through we, we probably went through this book faster than all the other books we've read and um it, one it's really quotable mm-hmm. but uh dude it's, it's i feel like it's one of those books where it's like it just it's really really timely mm-hmm. you know like oh yeah there's some a lot most books probably are like oh that's a really cool idea but like I don't really know what to do with that right mm-hmm. now. We're like, that's interesting or like that's good information, but this is like, wow. Um, I'm glad I read this now. You know, I think it was you or someone said, um, like don't read a book if it's like not applicable right now. Yeah. Like if it's not hitting home, like if you can't really apply it, then like move on to something that that is. And I, th- I think for me, I felt like the last few books I've read, I've kind of been like reading to like get through cause they're on my list, right. but they weren't like hitting really right. And this one like broke that cycle and, mm-hmm. um, for both of us, right? I mean, I think we we're both constantly talking about like doing too much and just like a flood of ideas and to dos and what and whatnot. And this book kind of breaks all that down. So yeah, man, I I already want to read it again. <laughs> and I'm not like trying to sell. Like I I I feel genuine. Like I, it was so darn good. Really, really um, good. I've already recommended it to a few people. I've given I gave my copy away to someone and I stole it back today because I needed it <laughs> um, for tonight. But that's funny, dude. So good. Yeah, I w- I was thinking too, like what is it about this book that has been so compelling? And I think it's because at least for me, it made me feel really guilty and like really equipped to, you know? So I would agree with that. Um, I also think, and we'll get into it, but some of the things that it made me feel guilty about, um, it also made me feel good about in, like a weird way. Right. Like yeah. I think some things yeah. were like, it's like, yeah, I know I should be doing that. Or, but this was one like, okay, I know I should be doing it. But when I do like, look how much I, sweeter my life will be like look look how much better it is right i should do that yeah and it was so it was just like super encouraging slash like convicting like slash like this is the way like the good life should be kind of way he just like Mm. writes so just like purely you know yeah i really liked it a lot you know one of the other things that i've really appreciated about it is um i was really confident in kind of like the information that it was founded on like it's uh it's really, it really pulls hard from scripture mm-hmm. and in, in specific 
studying Jesus' life. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, as it should be, especially as a Christian book, but like it's kind of rare to be honest. I feel like a lot of uh, like when scripture is pulled, it's kind of like cherry picking a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, but this is sure. like it feels the opposite. I would like, follow it, you know? right? Like this is the result of studying the scripture, not here's what I'm writing about. Let me go find some scripture for this. Yeah, I also think like kind of to the topic of basically like slowing down your life, like being more intentional, have you know, have a like more simple way of living. Am um, like I coming from someone that like this guy like rode that wave and he had a lot of success. So it's kind of yeah. like something that me and you would like admire in, in, a, in, a, in a big way, um, in a different like realms of life, um, him being like the church and whatnot. But um, like, I mean, I felt like he reached like the peak, right? And, and look what happened. He burnt out and yeah. he, I think he took a three month sabbatical, right? And yeah. kind of had like restructure the way he does things. And then now he's on like this new restart I'm doing it a different, slower way, and it's it seems to be so much better. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, man. It it was very compelling. Yeah, I I was listening to a podcast the other day of um, a guy who was talking about his experience, kind of like breaking into uh, the book writing world, like basically becoming like a professional author. And he started when he was really young, like mm-hmm. I think like 22 was when he wrote like his first like bestseller kind of book and he said it's because he learned really early on from his agent his agent told him look you you like you can be the smartest person in the world most qualified person in the world but you have to be uh, in order for it to be like a mega hit and to be like a really great book um that's driven from like experience and story you have to be like the uniquely qualified person to write this book so that like no one else could write Mm -hmm. this book i feel like that's one of the cases for this like Totally. A Christian pastor, his life is chaos, super successful, goes through a lot, and then resets. And now, like 10 years later, essentially after that switch, now he's writing about it and can teach mm-hmm. from it. Um, whereas a lot, you know, a lot of times it's like, here's something that I explored, or like here's some research that mm-hmm. I did, here's some things that I found or curated. Yeah, this Even dude lived it all, yeah. He lived it, yeah. And he was, you know, a Christian, he's experienced it. Um, and he's a pastor. He teaches, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of a perfect combo. Well, let's get into it. Let's do it, man. Uh, the book kind of starts out with, obviously, talking about hurry and what hurry is. Um, but in particular, and one of the things I appreciate, appreciated about it was that he kind of draws a line in the sand and frames hurry as, like, this really, like, devious evil. Not just, like, a uh, like a kind of bad thing, but, like, really evil mm-hmm. and at the root of a lot of evil things. And that's kind of where he starts with things. I don't know if you, if about you, but I found that kind of a good way to start the framing. Cause especially when I read the title, like the ruthless elimination of hurry, I kind of thought it was going to be like, Oh, it's just going to be a book about, um, I don't know, live like how to be productive without like mm-hmm. compromising or I don't know what I was thinking, but, um, the way he frames it really makes it feel important. Yeah, one of the first pages, he has a quote. He said, a hurry is the great enemy of a spiritual life. And, um, yeah, so like you said, he draws like this firm line of kind of like, I think I've always looked at like hustle and hurry and working and accomplishing as like this great, like... Like a badge of honor. Yeah, like I'm, I often find myself saying like, I've I've worked this many day hours or this many days in a row, whatever it is. And it's like, whether it's coming from, from a place of bragging or not, like 
in my mind, it's often looked at as like a, an accomplishment. Like it's a good thing. Yeah. And he makes the opposite case of like, actually like, no, like this hurry that your life is made up of, like there's so many good, like slow, simple, like thorough things like you're missing out on. And I've never looked at it that way before. I, I think you would probably be the same. Absolutely. I think one of the other things, uh, again, that makes this book kind of so timely and so applicable is he talks about it um, at a really like micro level for like you and like interpersonal, but also at a macro level for Christians as a whole. And he says um, kind of like why hurry is a problem. He says one Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness and hurry and overload. So we're conforming to the culture, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians lives. In other words, basically having less and less space in our lives, which leads to three deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to four Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to five more conformity. And then basically the cycle begins again. Hmm. I thought that was so interesting because I've never really thought about being counterculture and, uh, you know, living a Christian life that's different and set apart from the rest of the culture as, uh, not being busy, (laughs) you know, as like, uh, being the opposite of busy Mm -hmm. and how being, busy and hurrying kind of like overload is actually um, it could be argued like a sin and that's kind of what it gets into, but it's um, it's a form of conforming to culture and um, being away from God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like, um, well, the book has a lot of like, uh, what's the word? Like solid points kind of like create the structure of like the outline of a book. Um, But like his overall, like, thought that's communicated it's just the idea of like like we're saying hurry is an enemy um and i i don't know man i've never just understood it in a way that he communicates and i think one of those things to where like let's say he's talking about hurry in a bad way i would probably feel like ooh, like convicted but when he talks about like he has i think he had one line in here he said what do you say he said i'm just trying not to miss out on the goodness of every day Hmm. and like he's constantly talking about like when you when you slow down a bit, you kind of do away with this like hustle mentality. Like, um, he, well, he, first of all, he parallels parallels that very well to the life of Jesus, and he kind of just explains like Jesus didn't like he was never in a rush. He was never really kind of short tempered with people because he has too much to do, and he was never you know he was never too busy for an opportunity to you know love on someone or connect with someone. Um, and like, that's like his overall just message in the book of like, hey, when you're going too fast, like you really miss out on like a, on, a, on the main way God created you to live. And I've just never looked at it that way because my mindset is like, hey, the more I get done, like the more I can accomplish, the more money I can make, the more whatever, right? And and this is the, the opposite argument. Um, another thing is like I always kind of thought, okay, if I sacrifice hurry, if I sacrifice like getting things done, then I'm I'm I am sacrificing success, right? Or or money, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And he makes like I think a lot of cases like the opposite um, argument, right? When you when you kind of do things in a way that God created, like then His favor is on you, and then is in a sense God is backing you and and kind of you know increasing what you can accomplish with your time. Hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm just gonna have to. We're gonna be you know pulling a lot of quotes from the book, but <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say one one of the things that uh, that he said he, he says hurry is not just a disordered schedule, hurry it's is a disordered, a disordered heart. heart. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense because it's all about having you know your priorities are out of whack mm-hmm. and you don't have control of your life and you're being kind of pushed and pulled around instead of um, living intentionally. Um, a part of that too, one of the things I thought that was so profound was um, he talks about, he, he quotes kind of a scripture from Matthew 11. And he says, our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in 
loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently, and hopefully while also living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. And it's a strategy bound to fail. I thought that was so true because even when, like when I look at my own life, I'm kind of trying to have the best of both worlds. And I, and I, that, and it's all centered around hurry and busyness and overload. And it really gave me some clarity around how the two are incompatible. Um, you know, he has a couple other things. He says, uh, love, joy, and peace are at the heart of all Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of your life. And all three are incompatible with hurry. You know, he says like, mm-hmm. um, the definition that Paul uses for love is another, like is synonymous with the word patient. Think about joy. Like when was the last time you were joyful while being in a hurry? Mm-hmm. Like you're always mad at something when you're in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Peace. Like you're always anxious. You're always, um, in a rest. You're always, uh, you know, chaos is ensuing when you're in a hurry and it kind of creates this this state of being and like this lifestyle that is incompatible with being a christian essentially Mm -hmm. and and he says you're always getting sucked into the tyranny of the urgent not the important your life is reactive not proactive Mm -hmm. i really made a lot of sense to me thinking like what does it mean to be a christian and to live righteously like to live right the way that god designed you to live and it's not in a hurry like it is very slow it's it's intentional it's proactive Mm -hmm. it's all the good things um that a uh purposeful impactful life um would have right it's it's not the other things (laughs) not the bad things well yeah i mean uh the proactive versus reactive i had i'd written that down too um and that makes sense like when you're flustered and you're moving quickly and like life is happening to you like that's exactly what is happening you are reacting to like the day-to-day um and i don't know i I think i i want to keep repeating like just the idea of i've always looked at hurry as like a good thing and i feel like i still like i still want to but i i know it's very clear to me like it's just clear like um he, he paints this like simple slow like intentional life as such a like a good thing but i think so he makes it seem out to be good paired with like this is how jesus like created you to live and how he lived and i think that's for me what like does like what kind of seals it okay like that's Mm -hmm. like what i need to move towards um oh man yeah yeah there's there's one more um or another uh kind of like comparison that i want to make he says we feel an undercurrent of anxiety that rarely if ever goes away that since they were always behind, always mm-hmm. playing catch up and never done. And that just like struck a chord like, with me. That's like you. Yeah. yeah. That's like Corey. Literally like what yeah. I say every day is yeah. like, I just feel behind. Yeah, I just yeah. have so much to do, like so much on my mind. Um, Dude, just today, um, Connie was like, hey, can we do this, this and this? And I was like, yeah, like I just need some time to catch up on some stuff. Yeah. And she's like, Jeremy, you're never going to be caught up. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> just yeah. putting the nails on the coffin. Um, the, so the opposite of that is he talks about this idea of, margin and kind of this unhurried slow pace and one of the things that really kind of solidified it and kind of brought it back to scripture was he says uh attention is the beginning of devotion and Mm -hmm. worship and joy start with the the capacity or the margin to turn our mind's attention towards god and that just made so much sense to me because i felt like like oh like that's why i struggle with like worship and devotion and 
carving out the time is because there's this undercurrent of anxiety and because I, I'm not, I don't have the margin to actually experience the Lord in a way that's impactful. Um, and, and as a part of that, he says, what you give your attention to is the person you become. So if I'm giving my attention to this anxiety, to this hurried life, to this overload, like that's the person I become. I become an anxious, overloaded and, um, and crazy person. I want to become a really intentional, uh, kind of slow living and really Christ-like person. So like, again, he's kind of drawing the line of like the two are incompatible. Like you cannot have this. Yeah. I mean, he, he parallels like busyness and uh, he parallels that parallels that with sin. Um, and yeah. he says like, they both have the same effect. Both of those, of those things cut off your connection to God, um, like, and to your soul, like who you are. And again, like I, I've never looked at it that way. Uh, it's always been like this good light we put like being hurried in whatever we think it's good Mm -hmm. and uh, it's clear that you know it really is i think it it can lead to being a sin yeah um you know was one more uh interesting thing he i had never never ever thought about was how a lot of like our culture and society and kind of like um kind of like this message that's always put out especially I feel like especially with men is again, like kind of that hustle, like push the limits, mm-hmm. um, you know, wanting to be like almost like superhuman. Like you think of like all the, uh, really great startup stories of like, you know, they didn't sleep for a week and they were just pushing code all the time. Or, you know, the guy who just hustled his way to building an empire or, um, basically right. Just like grinding it out and like kind of that, um, like online kind of call it like hustle porn. It's mm-hmm. just like, praising people for doing things that are like almost killing themselves. Yeah. And what he says, he says one of the key tasks of our apprenticeship to Jesus is living into both our potential and our limitations. Mm-hmm. And, um, I want to make sure I have, uh, the right quote here, but he says, Oh, he says what you hear very little of inside or outside the church is accepting your limitations. And then he goes on to say like, basically, in the limitations is where you find God Mm. because literally like you can't do it on your own, but also you need the Lord to recharge you. And I just thought again, back to myself, like, Oh, I can work a 12 hour day today and like crank this out or like keep doing this or, you know, work six, seven days a week on something or Mm -hmm. be always doing something. And it's like, no, I have limitations. Mm -hmm. I need to stop. I need to be slow. And also I need God. Like Mm -hmm. I can't do this on my own. Um, do you want to get into the main points? Let's do it. All right, cool. So he um, breaks down. Uh, so like the, the first part of the book is kind of really setting the whole thing up. And I feel like we could spend a lot of time going through like random quotes and points yeah. that we have. Um, but I just want to say, yeah, read the book. It's really good. I don't think we're going to do it justice. But what we can um, easily summarize is he has uh, for the second half are like four main points um, that kind of encompass um, slowing down your life. And so. Um, the first uh, points are uh, silence and solitude. And um, I want to say, like, for every point he had, like, they weren't, like, a slap in the face. They were pretty much, like, I knew that, right? Like, they were very simple right. um, that I knew. But I think the way they were explained, like, the light he shed on them was, was I think, a broad, different perspective. And mm-hmm. um, that's part of what I liked. And so kind of the topic on silence and solitude, he talks a lot about just how, like, noisy – our lives are with uh, from our from the cell phones, from just uh, constant busy schedules and hanging out with people, 
And um, because, you know, we see that as good. I think so. I think for me, like there have been times in my, in my life where I like, did not want to be alone. Right. I did not want a moment of like slow. I, like, I had to have every night or day filled. And yeah. I kind of look at it my week. And if I had like, an open day or time or whatever, I would try to fill it with something. And I think a lot of people are that way. You're probably someone that's not that way. Yeah. You're uh, <laughs> Corey's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've mastered this one. That's so this great. one, you, for me, this one, I mean, all of them really kind of like stuck out to me, but this one really did too. Um, but you know, one thing he talks about is like when we when we constantly fill every gap and every like free moment we have. He talks about how we miss out on these like moments kind of we have throughout throughout our day and throughout our week to like once again realize like the reality of God around us. You know, from whether you're you know at the grocery store and on on your phone and in line, or you're you know running through red lights to get somewhere. Like you're you're so you're moving so quickly and there's so much going on that like there is really no moment to kind of like think and to ponder and to observe what is happening it's constantly the next thing to accomplish the next meeting to get to and um like that's not like how things have always been and so with the last mm-hmm. you know what is it, the last probably 15 20 years like that's really yeah. like increased a ton and so it's we haven't really seen it he, he talks about this but we haven't seen the effects of, like what's that going to do to these generations like you know right. 20 30 years down the road like what's that going to look like when people that's all they've known is this like just an um overwhelming just atmosphere of you know noise and busyness and tight scheduling and all this stuff like that's all we know and i'm I'm curious on like the effect that's going to have yeah i mean a couple of things that struck out to me were like i was like oh yeah actually i mean if you think about it like our relationship with god is found in the silence and the solitude Mm -hmm. like i mean you're not going to be able to like really have like a meaningful time with god when you're talking with someone or playing video games or like it's probably going to be when you're silent mm-hmm. and you're like uh, praying and or you're waiting to receive from the Lord, but also when you're alone. And um, I feel like I've, I've kind of, I've always been good about like, okay, I'm, I don't need to like fill every slot. Or like I'm good with being alone. The silence part has been harder. And actually pretty recently I've been trying to like introduce more silence in, into my life. Yeah, Even too. after reading the book again, I was like, ah, I, I, I do need to revisit this. Um, I also thought it was interesting how he was kind of really advocating for like getting out into nature and mm-hmm. to do like hikes and kind of get out into the wilderness. Um, and I just love that idea. And it kind of made sense to of like, like that is why people feel more connected to God or like you thought the universe, the earth is cause like it really gets you outside of yourself. Yeah. I, um, so he, he talked about again, kind of going back to the life of Jesus, but he talked a lot about like, he kind of reminded us like, Hey, like Jesus, like pretty consistently, like withdrew and got away yeah. from people. And what did he do? He went to the wilderness. He went kind of just away and was silent on, and on his own. And like again, we know that, but it was a good reminder. And I was kind of thinking to myself, like, okay, when was the last time that not only was I just like away from my phone, away from distractions, like quiet, but like when was I like in the wilderness? And I kind of think like hmm. for me, it's normally like once a year when I go to Oregon with my, with my dad, we go fishing and we have a whole day on the river. Yeah. And I'm with my dad and someone else on the boat, but um, like our phones don't work. There's no phone service and it's just like water and like trees and like birds. Like that's literally just it, all day. Like, super still water. We're just like slowly drifting through this river all day it's long. Pretty cool. I love it. Um, I'm actually going like two weeks and so I'm super oh, stoked. Yeah. Amazing. It's um, right August, huh? Yeah. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean really that's, but I was thinking they're like, so that's cool. I'm, I'm stoked, but it's gotta be more than once a year, dude. Like that's, that yeah. can't be enough. Like, absolutely. Uh, and there are, okay. So there are other times when I'm alone and it's somewhat like 
secluded but that's like the main like i pivotal like i love that time because it's i'm really alone and i cannot call anyone because my phone like does not work you know mm-hmm. so yeah i've been thinking we we were planning on doing this before uh, we'll have to kind of get back to this but i think it's good to have some sort of like like i said routine or schedule or something planned um so like hasn't having something like daily you know we're just kind of like silent or whether that's you know just like sitting and meditating or whether you're just like sitting on a chair in your balcony or in your couch, like whatever, something weekly, maybe where you kind of like get away, take a mm-hmm. hike, take a walk somewhere. Um, I, Monique and I have wanted to do like a kind of quarterly getaway, just like rent, renting an Airbnb for two nights and going up to Julian or wherever, mm-hmm. you know, even on the beach and kind of putting away our phones and just kind of being away. And then, like I said, you know, once or twice a year going on a vacation and then really yeah. trying to unplug. Yeah. Um, another point I want to pull from this one is he's talked a lot about like just like our phones, right? And having like a constant like distraction in front of us and like how that's really messed up our ability to be like present with people and just and we all know this, right? Like when you sit down with someone and talk or go to a restaurant, it's like look, everyone's on their phones, everyone's yeah. whatever. Um but since we're reading this book, I've like just been kind of reawakened to like how bad it is. And so mm. it, it's weird. Like just every time I drive now, I'll like pull up at a stoplight and like just like look at the car over and almost every <laughs> single time someone's on their phone. Oh yeah. And it's it is weird. Like it's we if you stop to think about it, how we we literally like cannot just sit. Like the first thing we yeah. do is grab our is it's so and I I do it. We all do it. Like I'm not saying I, I don't, but it's weird. It and I, I don't like it. Like I want to try to slow that down or fix it or change it. And so I'm just more like aware. I think one thing this book has done definitely hasn't changed me <laughs> not yet <laughs> i think in some ways but it's Little made change. me super aware like whoa mm-hmm. like something, something like that like but when i say it hasn't changed me, like, like a lot of these things are like big changes and so right. um and he, he has a podcast actually on this book right yeah so it's like mm-hmm. a 10 series um little podcast he does of kind of breaking down a book and exploring it more and one thing he talks about is like hey like start where you can like because a lot of these things we're talking about like they're pretty extreme right like the, the no phone because um the phone like the sabbath like all these things and so he says like start where you can and kind of build your way up and so that's kind of what i've been doing it's like starting where i am and kind of getting you know in this direction yeah so the next point is about um the sabbath this was by far the best one yeah this was really good it was really surprising um so this was the one if i had to sum it up this is what i would say this was the point of where like very convicted but like super stoked and encouraged right Mm -hmm. like Felt a push, but also like, yes, this is what I want. You know? Yeah. So I mentioned, you know, having like the daily, uh, the weekly, you know, the Sabbath is part of that kind of weekly mm-hmm. slowing down and rest and kind of resetting. Um, he he kind of talks about, uh, you know, embracing it instead of like resisting it. And most people, I think, you know, one of the things he talks about is making the day like keeping the Sabbath holy mm-hmm. and keeping the Sabbath holy in the way of like, not just like honoring and going to church and stuff, but like making it different and set apart is literally mm-hmm. what holy means. Um, and I, I, remember, I keep forgetting who it was, but someone would talk about how like Sunday was like the fun day and mm-hmm. Sunday was like the day where all the awesome things happened. Like the dad would, um, make, um, what was it like fruity loop pancakes for everyone and they would mm-hmm. get ice cream they wouldn't watch TV. They wouldn't play video games, but it was like family game night. Mm-hmm. They would invite friends over and Sunday was like the best day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I want Sunday to be like the best day for me too. And, uh, it's, it's like a really cool idea when you think about like every week you look forward to that day 
of not just having a lot of fun or like relaxing, but like having that also be tied to connecting to the Lord. Yeah. Which is, um, I've never looked at it that way. And I, this makes me want to redo our Sabbath episode, but, um, <laughs> that's like literally what he like describes it to be like Sunday. Um, he talks about, I think it's in podcast, but he says like, think of like your perfect like 24 hours. Like what yeah. would it look like? And he says like, no, I'm not talking about like, you know, filled with like going to the movies and going shopping and going to get junk food. Like, not, not all that. Like, but just like a fulfilling, like restful, but yet fun and enjoyable and like delightful day. Like, what would that be for you? And he says like, well, that should be your Sabbath. Um, he talks about like, it being a day where we are just like delighted in God and we get to enjoy our family and friends and, and those around us and just have a good, like fun day. Yeah. And um, I've never heard it explained that way. And uh, now, while centered around, like, God and, like, being grateful and reflecting, but it's not just, like, I mean, I've always kind of thought, like, go to church and, like, then go home. <laughs> and it's just not that. Like, right. um, you can do things, right? You can, like, you can be out of your home. You can, you know, but just the point is, like, being intentional and, and having a fulfilling, like, delightful day. Um, and he, he goes on and on about what that like, does for you. But um, this, so this is the one area of the book where me and Connie have been implementing. So I'm That's on cool. three or three so far. It's been nice. three, three weekends. So we've been doing Saturdays because, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, I'm a pet of work on Sundays, but yeah, I mean, we've done every, the first two we did really well this last Sunday. Um, we only got like probably five or six hours of like an actual like Sabbath, which is a bummer, but he did say like start where you can. So yeah. we're just being intentional to like do it. What's funny is I've like felt a little bit off this week. Like, um, cause our first two, we went hard, mm. dude. Like I got some nice Sabbaths <laughs> in. Yeah. It was great, man. Some nice Sabbaths <laughs> in. Oh, no, like, we, I hope like, that's a thing one day. Like, oh dude, I'm gonna have such a hard Sabbath this <laughs> Sunday. Or no, you know what I'm saying? Like hard this we, Sabbath. we like delighted in each other. We had fun. We yeah. went on a walk. We went to the, one day went to the beach. We like had good food. We slept in. We, you know, <laughs> it was just great. Like overall, like good Sabbath. And this last, um, Saturday we were, just, we were more busy, had more going on. And so, it was funny though because he talked about in his pod and his I think in the book about when he misses one how he he does feel like off yeah. and that happened to me already and I was like whoa that's like yeah it's funny so the he describes how the Hebrew word Shabbat means to stop but it also yeah, has like a, a dual meaning to also mean like delight. to delight yeah. so I love that because it's, it p- kind of perfectly encapsulates this idea of what the Sabbath is and it's the idea of stopping and also enjoying. Um, and so to stop and to delight and, you know, he also makes the argument like, you know, it's interesting that like, it's the only kind of spiritual discipline in the 10 commandments, but also kind of an indicator of like, Oh, maybe that's why, because mm-hmm. it's like, it's so important. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be taken for, for granted. Yeah. He says it's an invitation to enter into, into delight. Mm-hmm. Um, it talks a lot about in the Bible, how like, uh, in Genesis, um, it says that Sabbath was created for man. Mm. And I think we often think like this was like this is for God. Like, this is a time we get to honor God, which it is a time for that. But the Bible says this was for for man, and yeah, and I think that's really cool too. It's like a it's like a shift of like like while this honors and, and pleases God, um, like that happens when we delight in Him. And so on a day when we get to rest and have fun and reflect and you know be you know it's, it's times like that when you're often most grateful and you kind of think about your life and you're you know you're fulfilled like those are times when you often are delighted in god because things are are good and peaceful and steady and so um it's it's painted this like good picture and you know it's good mm-hmm. i love that kind of ideal of like what the sabbath should be mm-hmm. and we should work on that too 
The next point is simplicity. Um, I, I didn't have a ton of notes in this, but there were a couple of good things, and one of them being, um, I thought it was interesting, kind of draws on like the modern idea of minimalism, you know, mm -hmm. with having like kind of a more physical application. Um, but he also talks about like, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, and it also just got me thinking a little bit more about like, what does it mean to live a simple life? Mm -hmm. And is my life now simple? And I'm like, my life for sure right now is mm -hmm. not simple. It's like, what, what would it take and what would it look like to have a simple life? And a simple life is one that creates margin mm -hmm. for, and you know, or for all the good things and that also eliminates hurry. Yeah. Yeah, this one he talked a lot about like doing stuff and then having a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I, I think like it's important to realize like when, when we think about adding more to our life, like we, we often jump to thinking like that's going to make us happier and, mm -hmm. and our overall like um, like lifestyle just better. And I think in most cases it, it actually doesn't and it just adds to the problem. Yeah. And one thing he talks about is like if you're going to, if you're thinking of like getting something new, he said think about the cost that that adds mm -hmm. um, and not just like the financial cost. And he kind of gives the example of at one point he wanted a, mo a motorcycle. And I think, like, his wife surprised him for, like, a birthday and bought him, like, the one he wanted. And he was so stoked. And he said, you know, after kind of time went on, he didn't really realize, like, the cost of owning that. You know, at first he kind of thought, oh, it was going to be, you know, five, five grand, whatever. But he said, no, like, think about, like, okay, let's say, you know, it, it breaks down, right? So then you have, now you have more cost to fix it. And then let's say you want to fix it yourself. Well, then you have to be the one to kind of YouTube it and figure it out and then go buy the parts and go install it and spend half your day fixing it. And then you have to clean it. You got to store it. You got to... Um, you know, got a detail like, like all these costs that kind of go into it, right? And you know, when you're riding, then your time away from your family, like all these things that kind of go into owning this this motorcycle. Yeah. And it kind of says with everything, like you can think of it like that way, you know. Um, one thing is me and Connie, she, Connie really wants to install install our pool at our house. Like she really wants mm. that. We have at our home, the previous homeowners have. Uh, they put like sod over like their old pool. They kind of fill it in. So we have like a foundation. We have to like, dig it out and redo plumbing. So it'd be a project, but like Connie really wants to do one day. And so we've been talking about it a lot. I've kind of been thinking like, yeah, like, you know, I, I'm the one that doesn't want to, but I, I could probably get myself there. I'm thinking of just like the cost, like that's going to cost a right. lot of money just to do it. But I mean, after reading the book, now I'm thinking, okay, like now, like what is the actual <laughs> like, cost? Like, look, Connie, there's more yeah, cost. We gotta clean that thing. We gotta <laughs> maybe pay someone to clean it. You know, we, all these things, right? Yeah. And so I think it's important to remember because it's easy to get an idea and like jump and do it. But think mm -hmm. about what is the cost of this? Yeah. One more kind of quick story on that is I was li listening to uh, Greg McEwen's new book or new podcast on essentialism, and he actually, mm. I think, for the first episode, he interviews his wife. Um, because she kind of like spurred a lot of these original ideas and they were actually talking about how pretty recently, um, like her dream forever was to have a horse and kind of have like, not like a ranch, you know, but like to have and be able to raise a horse at home. And after like three years, it kind of came to the decision that like, they don't want the horse anymore. Like they love the horse. They want to find a new home, but it was way more work yeah, than they yeah. originally, like they was like, okay, well if we, if we leave and want to go on vacation, like even if they want to like go out on like a little weekend getaway, not only do they have to worry about the kids, but now they worry even more about the horse. They have to find someone to be able to feed the horse who's properly trained mm -hmm. with working with horses, who who they can call if the horse escapes to go find it. Like it was just like this ginormous headache, mm -hmm. um, w far above kind of the financial. Yeah. Uh, horses are, I think, are expensive, but yeah. ongoing. It's more about like the emotional kind of yeah. intangible things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the last one. Last point. The last uh, point in the book was slowing down. Yeah. Um, and this was kind of what I ref- referenced earlier, but uh, kind of living a more slower, intentional life um, allows us to be um, like more proactive versus reactive. And um, I think like that's super clear. <laughs> like you don't have to like think about that one a whole lot. Like when you're going quickly, like you're reacting, right? And when you're being more intentional and kind of just thoughtful about your days, um, I think it gives you the ability to kind of plan out and kind of get ahead of issues and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. There was a few like practical. I think it goes. This was like the book 20. where he had yeah twenty. Um, I think we. I don't have a lot of notes on this one. He had like twenty, just right. like practical things to do to slow yeah. down. I'll just point out a few that, that stuck out to me. Um, well, he he actually gives like quite a few and like basically like all wrapped around this idea of like don't drive like a man. Yeah. Um, he also talks about your phone. One of the things that I've been doing that's been really good is this idea of putting your phone to bed, and so around you know before bed for sure, but usually around like ten or eleven for me. Um, I'll put my phone in the office and then I'll kind of just like lock it away and then I don't get it again until I wake up the next morning and I kind of go through my morning routine. Um, he also talks about, you know, your meeting, uh, or sorry, your media setting times for email, Mm -hmm. for social media, for TV and kind of limiting those and having like specialized time for those. Mm -hmm. And then the really, I think the latter half was much more practical, but he talks about kind of living more intentionally, like being kind of single tasked mm-hmm. and like taking really slow walks, just kind of like wandering, um, taking a regular day to just be like silent or in, mm-hmm. and have solitude, um, like once a month, just kind of like going out on your own, taking up journaling, which is something that I've been doing actually. It's been really, uh, really interesting for me. Experimenting with mindfulness and meditation. Also something I've been doing related to journaling, taking long vacations. Actually, this was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but he talks about how like, I think psychologically like we don't start to enter into kind of vacation mode until after like day, six days. It was day eight. Yeah. Day eight. Yeah. Um, which like most people to take a you know weekend vacation yeah. or like a week long vacation. Yep. So he takes like two, three, four week vacations. I think that was really, cause I feel like that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about that was just like, yeah, that's how things should be. But again, mm-hmm. conforming to our culture, that's what we've mm. kind of succumbed to. Um, and the last one that I think he says is cook your own food and eat in. We've actually been doing more of that, but not in the same way. Hmm. Yeah. Um, those are good. I think, uh, those help you, like if you are someone that like, you're not really good, like being self-disciplined or kind of like sticking to something like that's like a clear, I think he starts off that chapter by saying, I love rules. Like here are some rules, you know, yep. he kind of goes through all like his rules, whatever. Um, so like those may be helpful to kind of like glance through. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think about from those, um, yeah, a lot of those were good. I mean, one that I have been doing for a while now, I wasn't on his list, but I think I mentioned it earlier or before is um, like kind of like a morning routine for me. So I've like kind of made like a standing rule like in the mornings, like no uh, no music besides worship music and then no like podcasts. It's kind of like mm-hmm. how I've always like the last several years have I kind of start my days. And uh, I've noticed whenever I don't do that, like it's, it sets like a different tone. You know, I think it's like mm-hmm. having a rule that allows you to um, be more intentional or connect with God. Like it makes a, I think it makes a big, um, difference. Um, you know, one thing I think my other, only other point on this chapter was, um, how he, he talks about like slowing down allows you to keep priorities in check. And I think like, um, when life mm. gets going, like, and I've found, found this for myself, like you just kind of lose track of like, what is really important, right? Like yeah. what, what actually matters. And I think, um, you know, when you're slowed down a bit, like it, you, you can recognize like things out of joint and, when something is off, um, talks about like, starting your day with, um, you know, when you start your day, like looking at your phone or 
like you know rushing to work or whatever it is like you, you often start your day with hurry anxiety and outrage and he says like instead like slow down start your day with love and joy and peace and so mm. um yeah all things that like i want to continue to work towards yeah it's true it's kind of like getting caught in a current you know where you're just like once you're in it you're out of control yeah. and then it's hard to get out and kind of get stop? back yeah. to where you want it to be um overall i mean this book is a 10, ten out of ten, dude. Ten out of ten, dude. Would read again. Will read again. Um, hopefully, we can get John Mark Comer on here to chat through some of these ideas and kind of go more in depth. But I would. I feel like this is one of the books where uh, it's like a no-brainer recommendation yeah. for me. What was your favorite chapter? Um, I don't remember which one it was in was particular. It before the like. Yeah, like the part one, kind okay. of around the problem. Um, I think a lot of it essentially had to do with kind of like the the way that Jesus lived. I thought that was really, really kind of striking. And I loved how he talked about how Jesus was patient. He was never in a hurry, how his life was simple. He waited 30 years to give his first sermon. Mm-hmm. And then after his first day of ministry, he went into the wilderness for 40 days to mm-hmm. rest and to pray. <laughs> oh, yeah, huh? yeah. And man, I just love that chapter about relating this whole mm-hmm. idea back to like the literal, actual life of Jesus. I think this one is good because like, what he's pushing us towards is, is it's so clearly like the right thing. It's so clearly Jesus. And it's actually the easier thing. Like if you really think about the it. The easy yoke. It's the, yeah, that's the weird part about it. Like it's the right thing and like the easier thing to do. Right. Um, just do it. If you can get yourself to do it, you yeah. know. It, so. It's counterintuitive because everything is pushing culture, us yeah, towards hurry. And it seems like, well, that's just like, it makes the most sense to be able to get things done. But in reality, having a slower life is actually more... Mm-hmm impactful yeah. and more fulfilling all right well that's a wrap that's a wrap i love that um i'm gonna make sh- i'm gonna be recommending this one for a while so if you have thoughts on it or if you want um to ask more questions about her about the book uh, i'm gonna have a, a link to the book in the show notes but uh, any other thoughts you guys have feel free to share with us over social media or you can email us at cultivate and we'll see you in the next one